back to the David Glenn Show. We've got a trifecta of Super Bowl guests today. Ron Rivera, formerly of your Panthers, now of those Washington Redskins, dropped by earlier. We tap now into one of our favorite media members who covers the NFL. On the TV side, from the NFL on Fox, on the video game side for the Madden franchise, uber popular to this day. Charles Davis, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. How are you? I'm doing well, DG. How about yourself? How's Radio Road treating? Pretty well. I know you're coming, let's say you're between the Senior Bowl where you saw the college All-Stars on your way to South Florida where, you're, where you will catch the Chiefs against the 49ers. What was the first thing that jumped into your mind when you realized that it was Chiefs 49ers? Are you thinking Andy Reid? Are you thinking X's and O's? Are you thinking Patrick Mahomes or something else? Truthfully, I was just thinking this is football. Not at its base, that's probably the wrong word, but the kind of football and style that you like. Incredible offense, high-powered defense. Styles make the fight if you're a boxing fan. I feel like this one has the particular styles that have a chance to make a really good Super Bowl. The sport that you cover so closely is popular and has been number one in America for a long time. These 100 million-plus TV audiences just are not only the best in sports, they're the best in all of American TV and some of the best in all the world. Do you uh, attribute the upsurge compared to a couple years ago to just – you know, the, the normal ups and downs of any industry, or is there something about the product now that has the NFL, you know, continuing to set some impressive records? Well, there is something about the ups and downs in any industry, and, of course, we went through that time frame when Colin Kaepernick was, you know, bringing our attention to social injustice and other things in the world and how people lined about, you know, how it was demonstrated that seemed to become a cause celebrate and maybe had an impact on some of the things in terms of ratings and attendance and things of that nature. I do believe that the vast majority of people that were involved in all of that as, as Americans were, were probably aligned pretty closely with each other. I think it was much more of how it was demonstrated that became the sticking point. I mean, DC, how many people do you run into that aren't for people getting the best at being the best that they could be in this world? Yeah. Very few. Right? You run into very few to go, oh, I don't want those people to have anything. That's just rare. Now, how you demonstrate it probably because, to me, that was much more of the issue. And everyone had their reasons for why they wanted something or didn't want to see something or whatever. And who was I to say what was valid and not valid? That's not on my, that's not on my watch. But I think people want the best thing. But the second part is we got rock stars playing again, man. Yeah. And, and that's a big deal. And, and Patrick Mahomes is a flat-out rock star. And I equated him earlier this year to, and I know for baseball, it may have a taint to it because those guys aren't getting into the Hall of Fame. But you can't tell me that if you were a baseball fan and you had a ticket to a Mark McGuire or a Sammy Sosa game during that era, that you didn't get to the yard early to see BP. If Roger Clemens was throwing today, if he was going on the mound that day, and you were really into it, yeah. tell me you didn't get a ticket to go down and watch him throw a bullpen before the, before the game began and to hear that ball thud into the glove. Superstars, rock stars, make it work. The home is every bit of that. Jimmy C, Garoppolo is not a rock star in terms of what he's done on the field, although I think he's played better than he's got credit for. 
but that's a good-looking dude, man. <laughs> and let me tell you something. People gravitate towards those guys. I mean, he's the quarterback that, that won homecoming king and all the other stuff. So you have that going on, and Nick Bosa's a rock star now. And we could go right on down the line. That's what's bringing people into this game. I believe we do like to watch those guys play. Charles Davis is with us. Fun follow on Twitter at CFD22, NFL on Fox analyst, also a draft analyst for the NFL Network coming off a trip to the Senior Bowl this past weekend. You were a wee baby when the first Super Bowls came along, so I do not expect you yep. to remember, you know, the, the po folks don't always realize this, there were high school and college marching bands who were the yep. halftime performers way back when. Uh, has the football changed? Not only that, you remember Up With People? Up With People? Do you remember that group? There was a group, believe me, get off the show, group right. Up With People. All right, they were the, they were these kids that traveled around the world and performed, and it was just an unbelievable deal, right? And they went back-to-back -back years, and in one of the years in the post-mortem, P. Rosell was the commissioner, and he started the post-mortem with, Words I never want to hear again, up with people. And I don't know if they've been back with the performers since then. But if you think high school and, and college marching bands or something, go ahead and Google up with people, then you can let me know. I'm anyway, trying to do ahead. that like as I'm speaking to you on live radio, so I'm going to dive back into that later. And that was in the <laughs> 70s I just saw a reference in the 70s. Maybe I was too young to remember that one. But <laughs> you, you know, part of my question is some people say that the 49ers are winning with a style running game defense that might have been in play in like the 1940s yep. or the 1960s or whatever. But I, I'm guessing that you will tell us that it's the surrounding circus that has changed even more because we have J-Lo and Shakira coming this time, right? We, we have yeah. had, uh, you know, Maroon 5 and Travis Scott and Big Boy last year, and we've had Justin Timberlake, and we've had, you know, Lady Gaga and so many of, of the legends of different musical genres. It, it has to be the circus that has changed a lot more than the football, right? Oh, no doubt about it. We have to kick off the game at what, 2 o'clock in the afternoon? <laughs> Super Bowl, all right? And and just as you did describe, you, know, you had college marching bands. Look, in the first Super Bowl with Green Bay and Kansas City and the Los Angeles Coliseum, we had two TV networks. Both leagues brought their own TV network, and you had your choice of which one to watch. <laughs> and in fact, one was in commercial when the second half kickoff began. They came back and redid the kickoff. Okay, you think that would happen nowadays? Oh, my God. No, not at all. And by the way, we weren't at sellouts then either. And it was the AFC-NFC World Championship game. The first official Super Bowl, if I'm not mistaken, was Kansas City-Minnesota Super Bowl Four, And that nickname had been coined by right. Lamar Hunt, owner of the Chiefs. And he got that, watch his kids play with a Super Bowl. And he also led the charge to rename the Lombardi Trophy when Vince Lombardi died, the, the, the Super Bowl trophy for Vince Lombardi, and also led the charge with Roman numeral. And I think we've used Roman numerals on the Super Bowl since probably four, all the way up, and the only time we didn't do it since then was number 50, when we just used the 5-0 rather than the right. Roman numeral during that time the league made the decision. So you're right, the circus around is way different. How long the halftimes are, the pregame shows, I think the regular pregame shows probably went a half hour before kickoff back in the day. Now, you know, you start the pregame show probably from the time we named the two teams. 
you know. And I know on Super Bowl Sunday it starts real early. It's like it's like the Rose Bowl parade. Get your your bowl bowl season started on, on January first in the good old days. Now you kick it on and turn on you know all the different networks: NFL Network, NBC, CBS, you know uh, Fox, and all of them will have some semblance of it. Of course, this blood carrying it this year is a company I work for, which is Fox. And that'll be on forever before we kick the game off at 6.40 or 6.30 Eastern time so we have a primetime audience. For the record, every member of our staff correctly guessed that if anybody would be able to drop in casually, did you know the name Super Bowl came from Lamar Hunt and the little kid's toy Super Bowl? Everybody took Charles Davis in the <laughs> staff lottery to drop that in seamlessly as he's on his way to Super Bowl 54. That's one of the many reasons we have come to love you. All right, uh, I don't know if you've made an outward or public prediction yet, uh, but if yeah. you if you can, of course, if you want to do that. But generally speaking, if you had your choice between, say, the better depth chart, which everybody seems to agree is the Niners with that running game and defensive line and secondary, or of course the better quarterback Patrick Mahomes surrounded by skill players. If push comes to shove and Charles Davis is at the proverbial betting window, you know, where does your money go? Well, typically it goes to the quarterback because everything runs through him. The game's never been more quarterback centric than it is right now. But it's not just depth chart that San Francisco has, it has defense. And I think in the last 12, 13 times, you've had a matchup where the number one defense is playing in the Super Bowl. They're 9-4. Mm. Okay? So, look, you know, we know they can be beat, obviously. But 9-4 and four tells you a lot. I think if you study the colleges, right, if you watch the – college football playoff and the BCS before it and the big bowl games before that, I'll bet you would find something similarly skewed. Top defense versus top offense. Defense usually finds a way to win the ball game. It's really a strange phenomenon, isn't it? Yeah. But when you look at Patrick Mahomes, if there's one guy you're going to take to beat the odds, wouldn't it be him? Yes. Because last time I checked, I think he's either 4-0 or 5-0 this season. When he's been the starting quarterback, Kansas City's been down 10 or more points in a game. Wow. He's brought them back every time, including twice in these playoffs the last two games. Remember, 24-0 Houston, 17-7 Tennessee. And he brought them back and won both of those ball games. So if anyone's going to take the odds and turn them on his head, turn them on their head, it's going to be Patrick Mahomes. I'd always lean towards defense in these matchups. San Francisco has a slight edge as far as I'm concerned because of that defense. But Patrick Mahomes takes your odds and kicks them right out the window. That's why it's must-see tough, must-see TV. Spoken like a true defensive back, Charles Davis, formerly yeah. of the Tennessee Volunteers, <laughs> now with the NFL. That DNA, brother. That's right, NFL on Fox. As we let you go, and thank you for your time, and hope you have a blast in South Florida. Since you were right. at the Senior Bowl, since you do cover the draft for the NFL Network, you know, around here there's so much uncertainty about Cam Newton's health and will Kyle Allen ever be more than a backup and Will Greer clearly was not ready, the three-headed monster for the Carolina Panthers. Uh, I have read that Oregon quarterback Justin Herbert was one of the stars at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. We all know Joe Burrow of LSU is expected to go number one overall. What What is that full 
quarterback picture as you look forward to the draft and did Justin Herbert you know change some minds the way I remember stories of Duke's Daniel Jones overwhelming some people not only in the Super Bowl but in the days leading up to it where you get to know a young man a little better yeah I think that Herbert came in more highly touted and more highly quote-unquote respected if that's the proper word by the masses than Daniel Jones did I think Daniel Jones came in with more to prove Witness, remember when he went number six to the Giants, the, the, the shocking yes. outcry from Giants fans. Yes. I would posit to you, DG, that if Justin Herbert in a similar situation went number six to the Giants, the outcry wouldn't be nearly the same. I'm just telling you straight yep. up, Herbert came in, more acclaim, more fanfare. He's been on the scene longer, coming from a team that won games that people watched on TV a heck of a lot more. You get the whole idea. Daniel Jones is operating under a whole different circumstance. And by the way, Herbert's team won the Pac-12, won 12-2, and won the Rose Bowl this year, and he did it with his legs as well. So it's a different, different entrance for him, a different presentation. So he didn't change, you know, that, that wasn't a surprise, and he did have a big week. He was excellent at the Senior Bowl. I would say if you're talking about first-round quarterbacks, the guys you're going to have in play, Burrow obviously at the top, we think Cincinnati. Then it's a matter of who gets involved. And I think your break point starts at three with the Lions. I don't think that it's a foregone conclusion they wouldn't take a quarterback, but I also think their phone is wide open. You better call because now you're starting to get into Miami territory, et cetera, about people who are quarterback needy. But I think you're talking about Tua, talking about Justin Herbert, talking about Jordan Love, who people got to witness from Utah State that people probably hadn't talked about much before. Those are the guys who are going to be at the top of the leaderboard when you talk about quarterbacks. And then you're going to start getting to your value picks and your mid-level guys. Jacob Fromm coming out of, out of Georgia. How high does he end up going? Does he get pushed? Do people like Jacob Eason after, out of Washington? I'm just going to tell you right now, it's going to take a lot for me to change my mind about him. I'm not a huge fan of taking him as a guy high in your draft. Okay, remember the Josh Rosen debate about does he love it? Right. This kid, <laughs> I take Josh Rosen every day before I take Jacob Easton. So that's a whole different ball game right there, not because of talent, because of other reasons. And he's going to have to prove prove that, and not to me necessarily, but I know I've talked to my pro scouts, and I know what they're saying about him. And then you're going to have a guy like Jalen Hurts, who got battered in the senior bowl, but made one big-time throw, and the easy comparison is Dak. And I used it. I don't think he's Dak. But that's going to be the comparison you'll get a lot of the time. And those are just some of the early names. But first-round guys, we saw him at the Senior Bowl with Herbert and Jordan Love in that discussion. I think Herbert's a lock for it. I think Love's going to be a lock for it. And two, of course, when, when we get the health report, he's going to end up going in the first round, too, as we well know. But Burrow, of course, going at the top of the board. I'm going to squeeze in one dad-to-dad story in question, and if you have to be brief or go, you you do that. But uh, I think you'll get a kick out of this, given that we're sort of from the same generation. So my kids know what I do for a living, and their friends are visiting, and I think they're going to ask me a 49ers or Chiefs question, and they say instead, Mr. Glenn, what's the greatest Super Bowl halftime show you've ever seen? And and I don't don't know if that's calm. Is that common in that generation? But they're like as intrigued by commercials and the halftime show. And so I blurt out, Charles, and I'm giving you time to think about your favorite as I share this story. All I can think of, because they caught me off guard, I spit out like 
at first I'm, I'm thinking of the Blues Brothers year where Dan Aykroyd yep. and John Goodman yep. and James Belushi were the halftime show. I remembered an Aerosmith year. Uh, I remembered, you know, in sequence there was like a U2 year and um, a Prince year and a Tom Petty yep. year and a Bruce Springsteen year and, a, and then The Who and some others. And I spit all them out and, and my kid goes, Dad, that is the worst old white guy answer to that question ever. But that's all I can think of, Charles, on the spot, because they took me off guard. Uh, does who something... Did, who, okay, who do the kids like? Well, they went more recent because, of course, their memories are like... They're younger. Yeah, the, they're, my kids are 20 and 17. So they so were... they go with? JT is a legend in their eyes. Yes, and and yes, my wife, sense. by the way, of my generation, she... I and, think, and by the way, he, he got clobbered. He did. Remember? That's true. It, it was crazy. I was there for People that Super like Bowl. People didn't like JT. I was there for that, too, and I thought it was fine. Then I found the reaction later. People jumped on Justin Timberlake. Like, what? I wore the bracelet, the glowing bracelet, just yeah. so I could say I once performed with Justin Timberlake. <laughs> I was Listen, I saw him. I saw Beyonce live. And you remember the controversy with hers because she made a statement right. during her, her halftime show. I saw uh, Bruno Mars, and that was the Super Bowl, the 50th Super Bowl. That was a good one, yeah. And he was terrific during that time. I thought Prince and the silhouette in the rain. I mean, come on. Yeah. Prince playing the guitar in the rain, that, that was just awesome. That, that's probably that's the correct the answer. Yeah. You know, that's, that's the one that I go with. But there were so many different ones that were good. I thought Lady Gaga was fine. Yeah. We, a lot of people, a lot of people rip these shows. I'm like, seem fine to me. And yeah. so that maybe maybe that makes me the old black guy. <laughs> you know I what I think know, it is? I think you're just pretty good to me. <laughs> you know what? I think you're just a fundamentally happy person. So rather than your instinct being, how can I nitpick this halftime performance? Your instinct is, you know, that was pretty good because you're a glass half full kind of guy. If I'm going to have any, any nitpicking and rippage, I would have said, just leave your shirt on <laughs> halftime last year. I, I don't think we needed that. Not because I'm a prude, but what, what, I didn't get what the effect was. Who cares, right? Just put shirt on to do, do the job. That's the only thing I would say. And, and bottom line is most of the boots aren't good. Hard to stage in that short amount of time. And I thought they were great. And the anthem singers are the ones that get me. They, they always just blow me away. And pink. Pink battled through. She was sick and fought her way through because she thought it was important to be able to do the anthem. So, yeah, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty happy about the whole thing. Let's do it. And by the way, if you think I'm going to miss Shakira and her hips, her hips not lying <laughs> and J-Lo, you're out of your mind. I'm working the game for the international broadcast. Cool. You think I'm not going to be locked in on that halftime? I yes, love it. I am. I love it. Follow him on Twitter at CFD22. Look for him in South Florida all weekend. He is a man of many talents. Charles Davis, thanks for the visit, as always, on the David Glenn Show. Thanks for having me, DG. Happy Super Bowl to you. Take care of yourself. Right back at you, my friend. Darren Gant of NBC Sports later this hour. Your calls in between. College hoops, NBA, Australian Open tennis, and, of course, the NFL is front and center. You can be next with your question or comment. 1-800-849-2761. Bill Barnwell's deepest of all deep dives at ESPN.com on the Chiefs 49ers matchup. Seriously, I don't think he left a stone unturned. 
There is no angle from which you could have viewed Super Bowl 54. It is the longest online game preview I have ever read, and he is one of the smartest NFL writers that I know personally. He's a guest from time to time here on our show. I'll tell you what his pick was and give you some of the why as we welcome your calls, 1-800-849-2761. We're glad you're with us on the David Glenn Show. Davo Sweeney, welcome back to the David Glenn Show. Yeah, How man. are you, man? Good to see you. It's great to How see you. you. I saw that you took your family to Italy. It was unbelievable to go to Rome and to stand at the Coliseum that was built in 80, 80. <laughs> Eight zero. The original Death Valley, you know, literally. This is the David Glenn Show. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. One quick college basketball note, the NFL Super Bowl update that I promised. Your calls, then Darren Gant, 1-800-849-2761. Quickly on college hoops, Mike Krzyzewski of Duke, a day after scolding the Cameron Crazies and telling them to flat out shut up multiple times. That's what he yelled across the court. Got in their grill. At halftime of that Pitt-Duke game earlier this week, he did apologize, kind of, sort of, after the game when he said he misinterpreted the chant that involved visiting head coach Jeff Capel, former Duke player, former Duke assistant coach, right-hand man to Mike Krzyzewski. So all seemed well, but I'll give Coach K double credit for this. He attempted to make amends even further the day after. I'll give another shout-out to Duke's student newspaper, The Chronicle, for reporting on this. I don't think Coach K went out of his way to make it a public event. But yesterday, Coach K made a surprise visit and spoke with dozens of students who were camping out in tents right there near Cameron Indoor Stadium in that area we call Krzyzewskiville. So the Duke Chronicle reported, and again, great work by the student reporters, that Coach K invited some of the students into Cameron and talked to them for about 30 minutes, according to the students who spoke to the student newspaper, The Chronicle. Coach K explained that, among other things, he, in retrospect, he felt that he was in a fragile emotional state as a result of Kobe Bryant's death, and when he misheard the Jeff Capel chant and didn't realize that it was an endearing chant, they were kind of welcoming Jeff Capel back to his basketball home, essentially, Cameron Indoor Stadium. So he apologized briefly in the press conference while saying, hey, man, we're in the middle of a war trying to win a basketball game. You should have been chanting Go Duke or defense or something like that, but I apologize for mishearing your chant. He said that he was fragile emotionally. He was susceptible as a result to react the way he did. Most of you know, of course, Coach K coached Kobe Bryant through two gold medals at the Olympics for Team USA and other international success. They considered each other very close friends, and Kobe, of course, died in the helicopter crash in California over the weekend. One quick postscript to that, and again, credit to Coach K for quietly, it became public, but quietly, extending that olive branch to the Cameron Crazies, class act in that regard. Coach K hosts a regular radio show of his own on Sirius XM. It's called Basketball and Beyond. And Duke just announced within the last few minutes that Coach K is going to host a special episode of Basketball Beyond tonight at 6 o'clock. And it will be, as you might have guessed by now, a special tribute to the late Kobe Bryant. Extra cool, Coach K is bringing in his former Duke great and NBA All-Star Carlos Boozer to be a part of tonight's episode. Why? Well, 
Of course, Carlos Boozer was a contemporary of Kobe Bryant, and they played together on both the L.A. Lakers and Team USA. So interesting perspective from the former player, Carlos Boozer, and, of course, Coach K himself. That's tonight at 6 o'clock on a special episode of Basketball and Beyond. Quickly on Bill Barnwell and his, I think, what do they say, War and Peace? I know it's at least 1,200 pages. Some people say it's more than 1,400 pages. I don't know which one is accurate or why there would be different versions of how long, infamously, War and Peace is. Well, you, you, ever, you know, it's it depends the on size how, of how, the book, yeah, the size of the font, and maybe margins on the page of the book, size of the pages. You know, they print them all types of ways. Given my upbringing, I have read a lot of classics. I don't think I was forced to cross paths with War and Peace. If I did years ago, I have forgotten. But at Salesianum High School in Wilmington, Delaware, where they take academics very, very seriously, and even prior to that a little bit, like I had that, you know, Catholic education and high academic upbringing. So I did a lot of catcher in the rye type stuff. I did a lot of the classics. I don't remember dealing with War and Peace. Maybe I have blocked it out of my mind, but it is known as one of the longest books that's famous ever. And I believe Bill Barnwell's form 49ers Chargers or 49ers Chiefs preview posted today at ESPN.com is about the longest, not 1,400 pages, but about the longest game preview I've ever read in, in any sport or on any website. With that in mind, I will not spoil the 178 different angles through which he examines Chiefs versus 49ers. But I will share this tidbit along with his prediction for the game because, again, he is one of the most astute observers of the NFL. He is an X and O guy, even as a sports writer, and it makes, to me, his coverage even more compelling than just more opinion-driven stuff. He does take the 49ers. 27-23 over the Chiefs in the end after seriously looking at it through every conceivable lens. He also pointed this out. Only one other time in the last 35 years was there a Super Bowl where the point spread was a point and a half or less. Once in 35 years besides 49ers Chiefs. The game was Patriots Seahawks. It was played five years ago. And do you remember what that small point, grid, point spread was a foreshadowing of? Can you have a Super Bowl that ends any more closely than one that was essentially decided by a yard? Seahawks Patriots, Russell Wilson at the goal line with the pick by the Patriots. To, you can't get any closer than that. And that is the other example of the smallest point spread in the last 35 years of Super Bowls. Will it be another foreshadowing of a super close 49ers Chiefs matchup? We shall see. Barnwell ends up taking the 49ers. His bottom line, why? In evaluating these two teams, there is one significant weakness on either side that stands out, and it is the Chiefs' run defense. Against most teams, the Chiefs are simply too devastating on offense for their 29th-ranked run defense to matter. 29th-ranked, remember, is three from dead last. The 49ers have feasted on terrible run defenses in 2019. They put up 51 points on the lowly Carolina Panthers and their bad run defense. They put up 31 points 
on the lowly Cleveland Browns and their bad run defense. They put up 41 on the lowly Bengals and their porous run defense. He takes the 49ers, but even he agrees. If anybody can wave the magic wand, as Charles Davis said, against a great defense, against a more well-rounded opponent, it is that Patrick Mahomes guy for your Kansas City Chiefs. So a prediction for the 49ers from Bill Barnwell, but I'm with him on expecting a close game and admitting that even if you pick the 49ers, there's got to be a nervous part of you in there somewhere that the offensive guru Andy Reid and the former MVP Patrick Mahomes and the speedy Tyreek Hill and the splendid tight end Travis Kelsey and the blossoming Sammy Watkins when he gets one-on-one coverage, that's a lot to stop for the 49ers defense. We've got, I think, a whopper awaiting us on Sunday night in Super Bowl 54. Last guest of the day, completing our NFL trifecta, we tapped into the coach, Ron Rivera of the Washington Redskins earlier today. We tapped into the former player at the college level, Charles Davis, now with the NFL on Fox. We tap into a guy with a great sense of humor along with his deep knowledge of the NFL, Darren Gant of the NBC Sports website and ProFootballTalk.com. He joins us next on The David Glenn Show throwback justice league you know batman wonder woman superman aquaman if there was a combine event where you had to talk to marine life aquaman is your guy zay jones is dominating the three cone drill aquaman is dominating the talk to porpoises drill this is the david glenn show welcome back to the david glenn show our next guest covers the NFL with distinction for NBC Sports and ProFootballTalk.com. He recently saw a dinosaur fall out of a tree in South Florida while penning one of his posts for those outstanding websites. We're speaking, of course, of Darren Gant, who joins us now. Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. I thought dinosaurs were, uh, weren't around anymore, man. What happened? Yeah, well, they are in Miami, and that's why I'm changing my title to Avid Indoorsman <laughs> yeah. for the rest of the week. I, I'll be in here in the air conditioning if anybody needs me. I lived in South Florida for a while. There there are some pretty large lizards. Uh, how large was this dinosaur-looking creature? The, this bad boy was at least two feet long, and, and it happened. The funny thing, I didn't realize at the time, but it, this was apparently around the – same time some uh, hotels were being evacuated because of because of the uh, earthquake in Jamaica and there was some rumbling that people felt so I think uh, my lizard friend <laughs> may have uh, gotten a little spooked and fell out of the tree right there next to me which almost caused a scene here poolside a Fox Sports executive has said of this year's Super Bowl quote if it doesn't celebrate football or celebrate America it is not going to be in the show this year. Your reaction, Darren Gant? I, I guess that means there's not going to be a Colin Kaepernick segment backing <laughs> up on that uh, NFL-produced uh, police brutality commercial they debuted the other week. So uh, irony is officially dead in the NFL, and you know <laughs> it's it's interesting that you know they've taken this path. I mean, I, I do think there is a certain know your personnel, and, and these guys are in the business of selling a product, and particularly when you get on one particular network, you're going to get a version of it. And the NFL has always been uh, happy 
or dare I say eager to wrap themselves up in red, white, and blue and just declare themselves star-spangled awesome. So it's not really a surprise. It's, uh, it, but you are seeing a version of it. I, I will say that. Roger Goodell met with the media. I don't know if you got a question in or how close you were. You were not overwhelmed by the newsworthy nature of what he said. Right. Uh, I, I understood, like, he, he said, man, I'm too young to retire. That was a predictable answer. The Patriots investigation is ongoing. That's a predictable answer. We're not sure about expanding from 16 to 17 regular season games because it's part of the ongoing discussions for the new collective bargaining agreement. Right. I, I mean, I guess he tackled the Rooney rule a little bit. Was that the most close to newsworthy comment? Maybe, and you know what? If Roger ever wants to uh, step away from the NFL, he can always run for Senate in vain because, like Susan Collins, he's very concerned about the Rooney Rule. Right. He, he thinks it's something they need to really be serious about. So, and yeah, nothing ever gets done. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. But I, I thought, I mean, listen, it, and this may be a little inside baseball, and I apologize for it, Dave, but that press conference used to be on a Friday. Uh, when there was a little more expectation for news. Roger's not necessarily great on his feet in that setting where he has to occasionally stray from pre-planned talking points. So that thing's on Wednesday now, and it's in kind of a news desert, and there wasn't a lot of news came out of it. I mean, uh, again, no kidding the Rooney Rule's not working as anybody anticipating. No kidding you want to play 17 games. I, I do think you know, the way he tried to talk about 17 games was interesting because he spoke of looking at the whole calendar, which basically means they're trying to view some off-season stuff and shorten the preseason as a trade-off. But if I'm the players, and I believe the players are serious about this, if the players want to avoid 17 games, they're going to have to, I mean, that's going to cost them points off the top. And, and I'm I'm going to be interested to see how much money the players are willing to give up if they're serious about keeping this at 16 games. Darren Gant is with us. Follow him on Twitter at Darren Gant, online profootballtalk.com. I think the pessimist says when it comes to there are only three black head coaches, only two black GMs in a league with 32 franchises. The pessimist will say, you know what? Until, until old white men who have been in the habit for generations of hiring other right. white men, until they die, this is not going to get a whole lot better. I think others say, hey, wait a minute. What if we extend the Rooney rule to require two minority interviews? What if we extend it to require a minority interview at least uh, for every coordinator hiring, et cetera? Um, are, are you more pessimist, a little optimist, somewhere in between on that stuff, or what? When the old white men who uh, own NFL teams die, they are going to pass their teams down to their old white children. And I, I don't, you know, I'm not hopeful for seeing this shift turning fast. I think, and I think, you know, I've talked about this before. I think if the NFL really wants minority hiring and head coach and general manager and coordinator positions, they'll get serious about inviting some minority ownership into their league. And there's not a terrible lot of that at the moment, in case you haven't noticed. So I, I think barring a big structural change like that, it's going to be hard to imagine uh, this thing reversing course. I mean, it's, it's embedded too deeply. And, and listen, I, I want to be clear when I say this. I don't think David Tepper had nefarious intent, but I think David Tepper got his heart set on Matt Rule, and it was by God going to be Matt Rule, no matter Rooney Rule or any other rule that, that came down the pipe. So that's the way these guys operate, and until 
you know, uh, until there's competition, until, you know, one of the guys who has opportunity wins another Super Bowl, I, you know, you saw Tony Dungy have success. You would think that would make people want to emulate it and hire more Tony Dungy types, and, and there was a brief flurry of that, but it, it goes to show the margin of error is so much thinner for those guys. It, I just think, I mean, Jim Caldwell is the perfect example to me of a, a, how does this guy not get an opportunity? He's won games. He won games in places you don't win games, Detroit. Uh, he developed quarterbacks. He was an offensive mind. Those are all the things people say they want. And when that guy can't even get interviews for a job, it tells me that people aren't serious about changing. I'm not sure if this is because I was raised an Eagles fan and I rooted for Andy Reid while he was in Philly, and I've come to just respect and admire him. But the first storyline I thought of as a journalist, uh, and maybe as a fan, I guess, when I saw that it was Chiefs versus 49ers on Sunday night was Andy Reid's sixth winningest coach. The five guys above him all have multiple championships. He still doesn't have one. He's running out of time. He's 21 years in. Uh, I don't think anybody else has had more than, like, what, a dozen years into their head coaching tenure before they got that Mm -hmm. Super Bowl. Andy's at 21 and counting. Um, Is that at least on your short list of biggest storylines as we look forward to Sunday night? Absolutely. I mean, and listen, the Andy Reid charm offensive is real, and it's not like he's out there selling it. He is genuine. Yeah. He is, and, and I mean, I don't mean this as a pejorative. He's a fat guy in a Hawaiian shirt. That's who he is. <laughs> he's your neighbor whose tools you borrow. <laughs> he's your, you know, he's your buddy who's going to put a lampshade on his head at some point in the party. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Andy Reid's, uh, the the popularity of Andy Reid within the NFL is not accidental. Uh, he's genuine. He's great at his job. I believe, you know, of the coaches who are working right now, it's Bill Belichick one, Andy Reid two, and then it's a big drop down to three. Yeah. So uh, I believe, you know, a lot of people want to see him in that position for a reason. And, you know, a lot of people will be relieved. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, and not to drag it down in the ditch, here's the power of Andy Reid. Ordinarily, a team that employed Frank Clark and Tyreek Hill, two guys who've been accused of some pretty nasty stuff, and LaShawn McCoy, who's had his own, dare I say it, shady past, he's turned that team into America's darling. Mm. That's the power of Andy Reid. His name is Darren Gant. Follow him on Twitter, at Darren Gant. Find his work at NBCSports.com and ProFootballTalk.com. I don't know if you've given a prediction publicly, but uh, either give us that or speak more generally. If you had the choice at the betting window between the depth chart that's better for the 49ers by most accounts and that running game and that defensive line and that uh, secondary, et cetera, or you could pick the better quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, and all those skill players when push comes to shove, which side are you taking? You know, it's there's a reason I do not invest in those markets. I, I, I'm a little too fond of the money I work hard to earn. Amen. So I, I don't like risking it. But at this point, I mean, I, I have a hard time seeing a situation or imagining a situation where Patrick Mahomes is stopped completely from scoring. They've been doing it too quickly and too easily all postseason to 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 have sat there and watched play by play the the Houston Texans give away a twenty four nothing lead and I mean there was never a sense of yeah this thing's over I mean as soon as they scored the first one me Troy Aikman and everybody else watching that game was like yeah or the commentator was like yep here it comes don't think this one's quite over yet so um, 
I, I just I believe I'm I'm putting my stock for whatever it's worth in Patrick Mahomes and that offense because they can just score so many different ways and so quickly that even if San Francisco is able to keep it close, puncher's chance. I mean, and and not that Kyle Shanahan is John Fox, but that's the way they have to approach this game. They've got to shorten it. They've got to run. They've got to hope to play defense and be within a score in the final two minutes of the game. But the problem is if you get to the final two minutes of the game. Patrick Mahomes can still score twice. Hey, given that you've covered a lot of these, when you talk to, say, friends who have never been there in person and they just watch on TV or go to the Super Bowl parties or whatever, uh, would you say that being at the Super Bowl, I've been to a handful, but probably not as many as you, is it mostly what people expect? Or there are just a lot of surprises, including one for me long ago. You can be a media member covering the Super Bowl and actually be in a chair that doesn't even give you a view of the field. You know, that, that one surprised me. Yeah, I think if you go into it understanding that this is no longer a football game but a corporate uh, marketing yeah. activation opportunity, I, I think you would be best served knowing that in advance. I mean, they're – these are not hardcore football fans who are at these games. These are opportunities for sales, and companies use those tickets to, you know, to schmooze potential clients. It's it's very corporate. It's gotten more so over the years. But that, you know, again, that's another shift that's not turning around quickly. Uh, it, it's fun, and I'm not saying there aren't Chiefs fans wandering around the city, you know, having a good time and, and enjoying the atmosphere. But I know a lot of people, you know, who I remember San Francisco for Super Bowl 50, a lot of Panthers fans flew out to experience the city and the lead up and flew back before the game because the wow. tickets were so out of hand. Yeah. So it's uh, it's an experience to be sure. All right, man, avoid flying dinosaurs the rest of the way. And thanks for the time on the David Glenn Show. That's the goal. See you, Dave. <laughs> Final thoughts and TV picks as we come down the stretch next. Megan Rapino is joining us on the David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is The David Glenn Show. Coming down the stretch on today's program. And down the they come. Special thanks to three great Super Bowl guests. Darren Gann of NBC, Charles Davis of the NFL on Fox, and in particular, former Carolina Panthers head coach Ron Rivera. He has not spoken frequently publicly here in the Carolinas since he was dismissed by the Panthers. We are honored and appreciative that he chose to join our show earlier today and send a message or two to some folks who supported him and his wife Stephanie and the rest of his family during their nine years here, in his case, leading the Carolina Panthers. TV picks for tonight include the Australian Open coming down the stretch in tennis, some women's hoops. NC State has one of the best teams in the entire country, again, under Wes Moore. They take on Clemson in ACC action tonight. A lot more women's hoops. You can find virtually everywhere. The Hornets visit the Washington Wizards. Remember, it's one more day before the Canes get onto the ice against Vegas after their long All-Star break. TNT doubleheader in the NBA. Warriors at the Celtics. Jazz at the Nuggets. And there is a special. They actually shuffled what they had planned for tonight originally. ESPN is going to air tonight at 7 o'clock 
a Spike Lee documentary on the late, great Kobe Bryant. It was entitled Kobe Doing Work. It is now on ESPN proper this evening at 7. I did mention earlier that Duke announced within the last hour that Coach K's radio show is going to give at 6 o'clock tonight a special tribute to his former Team USA player, Kobe Bryant. Carlos Boozer, the former NBA and Duke big fella, is going to join Coach K, former Lakers teammate of Kobe, also a teammate with him on Team USA. Enjoy those games. Enjoy those shows. We'll be back at it tomorrow with a little free-for-all Friday. That allows for more of your phone calls, more Super Bowl talk, more college basketball as well. Thanks for being with us today on the David Glenn Show. Mr. President, Barack Obama, welcome to the David Glenn Show. How are you? David, it's great to be on. It's wonderful to, to talk to the folks in North Carolina. I always say uh, I love the state of North Carolina, love the people in North Carolina. Even the folks who don't support me down there are nice to me. The David Glenn Show.